The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, rotoballer.com. I'll be writing season-long and DFS content over at rotoballer.com. They're offering 50% off any premium MLB package. The premium MLB packages come with the season-long and the DFS articles, tools, and more. Uh, and if you use promo code Bubba, you get an extra 10% off. So those that are quick with math, that is 60% off over at rotoballer.com for a premium MLB package using promo code Bubba. I recommend checking it out. You won't want to miss out on that. The second listener league is filling up. we got like five spots left. If you want to be in the league, just get a rating review on iTunes. Get, uh, let me know about it, and we will get you in the league. We'll get drafted and rock and roll in the first league draft March 12th, and hopefully the next one shortly thereafter. Also, just give a rating review because you love it. Otherwise, enjoy episode 255 of Bench with Bubba as we're joined once again by our friend Justin Mason of Friends with Fantasy Benefits, the sleeper in the bust, and much, much more fantasy. Oh, yeah, TGFBI. Catch you guys later. everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 255 got a friend of the show coming back on to talk some late round targets some tgfbi some draft guides and so much more justin justin mason the creator of tgfbi how are we doing my friend i'm doing fantastic we are in full uh draft season now it is it is we are rip ready and ready to go it is uh uh, it is that time of year. I mean, I, I'm I think I'm doing five slow drafts right now, and then I've got at least a draft or two every night, you know, f- until the start of the season. Yeah, there's the, I know there's a lady online that just loves the fact that you are drafting all the time. So I bet you she loves that schedule of yours. Yeah, she uh, she knows what she got into. <laughs> this, this predates her. 
Uh, it's obviously ramped up since uh, since we've been married, but uh, or at least the last few years since I've been in the industry. But uh, yeah, and I mean, she knew what she was getting into. This there are no secrets. Yeah, with meeting uh, Danielle at uh, the bar draft a couple of times now, I think she thoroughly actually enjoys it. She just doesn't want to let you know that. So I uh, I think she she's a fan of this. Speaking of drafting and all the goofy stuff that that you're up to, why don't you uh, plug away? I know it's draft season, and you have won a heck of a book at Friends of Fantasy, Fantasy Benefits out there. Yeah, we do. The, uh, the, uh, the Fantasy Benefit, uh, it's the Friends of Fantasy Benefits draft guide. Uh, it's our third year doing it. And this year, I think we may have just gone a bit overboard. It's 477 pages, and that's not like small pages. That's like eight and a half by 11 uh 477 pages uh includes 30 team previews uh prospect previews for every team uh that's done by matt thompson strategy guides projections um auction values uh and just i mean it's huge it is really really uh you know i like think it's really really well done i have not had a single complaint on it this year Uh, you can get on amazon I think for thirteen ninety nine, but I may actually drop that price this week as we get closer and closer to draft season. Or you can email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail dot com and get a PDF for seven dollars. Uh, please do; it, it, it's fantastic. You're not going to want to miss out on it, guys. Uh, he, they, they do great work there. Justin always does great work. You know, you see him on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB and uh, Sleeper in the Bust and Rotographs, Fangraphs, all that awesome stuff. So go support the cause. Go support the book. Help Justin keep doing his thing over there because I know I know he's doing just fine. But uh, let it keep growing <laughs> and getting bigger and better. Yeah, he's unemployed now, guys. He's unemployed. Yes, unemployed so, as of today. Yeah, so we need to go buy some darn draft guides. It's very simple. We don't need him working at the rec room, just drafting at the rec room. Totally different situations. <laughs> but um, let's get into some of this recent news, Justin. As it, uh, we actually got some new news on Chris Sale like five to ten minutes ago. Ken Rosenthal is reporting that uh, the of the athletic that Chris Sale is not expected to undergo Tommy John surgery. That he's going to rehab it and hope to come back. You know, Justin, we know how well this always works out. This is a great game plan. Um, what are you doing with Chris Sale and drafts right now? Because that was the third opinion on the MRI that told him not to have surgery. Oh man! I mean, unless I'm getting the most severe discount ever. Uh, I'm not touching this one. It's just there's too much that can go wrong. I think we saw it with Severino last year, where he ended up coming back and throwing only like 12 innings or something like that. Uh, I think you just got to pass. And I mean, even like in the last four days uh, in online championships, he's still going at pick 82. Uh, that's ahead of Corey Kluber and Sonny Gray and Mike Soroka and Frankie Montas. Uh, like I just can't do that. It's not a big enough discount. Um, I learned my lesson last year with Severino. I'm not going to do it again this year. Uh, unless you've been in like a slow draft and he's still on the board, like around pick, I don't know, maybe 200, then I think you can take the shot. But I, I just don't, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Looking at that online draft NFPC ADP, He's gone as low as pick 226. So now you're kind of getting in the ballpark of let's see what happens. But, man, 29th starting or 29th pitcher off the board, pick 82, going right back to Corey Kluber. Um, that's, that, that's ugly, very, very ugly there. Uh, another pitcher that you 
and it's not on the outline, of course, but I've seen him on a lot of your draft boards, and I'm just curious to uh, to your, your thought process here because obviously Chris Sale's injury, the elbow, we know how that goes. Great comp to Severino last year, so many got burned by him. But like Mike Clevenger, he's out with a knee injury. He started. He's, uh, he's now throwing 150 feet on flat ground. He's going to probably miss a couple starts, but looks like he'll be okay. He's going to pick 38. You have him in a lot of spots. Are you not that concerned about him? I am concerned, but everywhere I've gotten him, I have gotten him much later than the ADP we've even seen recently. Um, And so uh, that's the only reason. I I think there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. Um, We, you know, obviously he's not supposed to miss too much time, but you just never know how that's going to end up. Uh, especially for a guy who isn't very mechanically clean to begin with. So just because he's only, he's supposed to be back in like a month doesn't mean he isn't going to miss more time uh, or actually even come back in that time. So it's because I've been getting him outside of the top 50 picks. His max pick over the last like four or five days in online championships is 52. That is like the height of where I would take him uh, and the height of where I have taken him uh, in, in a few leagues. Uh, I've seen him go, like, I've seen, he went, in TGFBI, he went 19th overall. I could not do that, and I would not advocate doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember where I got him. You, I think you got him in the fourth round. So yeah. I don't know where about, but yeah. So, and I had the ninth pick, I believe. In, or no, it would have been the seventh pick of the fourth round. So we're talking, like, 52. That's not bad. So, like, I mean, that's the only reason. Um, and I already had Mace. Like, so it wasn't like he was my first starting pitcher. I would definitely want him as my second guy, uh, and I would want that huge discount. Um, luckily for me, in a few leagues, I've uh, been able to do that, uh, but it's not something I'm advocating for, for sure. Yeah, it's dangerous right now. So many starting pitchers keep getting hurt, and it's only March 4th. So a lot of ways this can go. But the thing I've said with Clevenger for the whole time is it's his knee, not his throwing arm. Yes, it's his plant leg. That could be a concern, but – you want to just keep the arm intact and make him work from there. Miss a few starts. Hopefully everything's okay. We'll, we'll work around that one. Um, you got Tyler Beatty news coming out. You, you're a Giants guy just like me. This is dreadful to hear, especially after I the news came out that I picked. I picked Tyler Beatty and TGFBI, and then the news dropped like an hour later yesterday. So that was fun. Um, and the results of the MRI came back today that he has a flexor and a UCL sprain in his right elbow. He told people. 75% of his UCL still attached. To me, that sounds like 25% too little. <laughs> but um, they're going to get a second opinion. This, regardless, doesn't sound good, Justin. No. I, just don't draft, right? Yeah, second opinions on UCLs are never a good thing. Like, that is uh, – and uh, I, I'm i not a big fan of drafting the guys that are doing the, uh, you know, rest and recovery route because it just – the majority of the time it ends up in surgery. Uh, and that means you could potentially get nothing from him this year. Uh, and it wasn't like we're talking about a guy who necessarily uh, was, you know, projected to be a great starter anyway. So uh, this is one of those kind of um, uh, stories that we need to remember too, because, People were really excited about Tyler Beatty because in his first spring outing, his velocity was up. Mm-hmm. A velocity rise is usually a great thing, but there's every once in a while we see these velocity rises 
followed by uh, by Tommy John surgery. Uh, and just so it's kind of something if you see that, don't overreact immediately. Wait a little bit to make sure that it, it's happening over multiple outings um, and it's not something that is uh, going to be detrimental uh, down the road. So, yeah, it, it's a bummer, but don't draft Tyler Beatty. I love how you brought up the velocity thing. That's like the first thing that popped into my head when uh, this news came out because his velocity is up here. Bill like Musgrove, all these other guys everyone's excited about, but usually guys trying to throw harder is one of the first signs to UCL. Again, it's not everybody, but, mm-hmm. it's, just, but it's one of those things that people like to associate the slider or the curveball because your arm's doing things. No, it's usually trying to throw a fastball like way too hard. That's uh, if you're not using the proper mechanics to throw the, the ball harder, you will start ruining things. So that's that's a good point. When we get all excited about the velo increase, take a step back and evaluate it, like you said. Um, something to think about, but it sucks as a Giants fan and as a Tyler Beatty fan, that's uh, a big blow. So we'll see how that comes to be. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Griffin Canning, scheduled to get a second opinion. First MRI on his elbow said normal wear and tear. So, Justin, I don't know why he needs a second opinion for that, but he's getting one. He has dropped down to pick 360 right now. That's a massive drop for one of the – He's only been picked in one of like the last three or four drafts have taken place online. And he was a popular kind of, you know, up and comer sleeper coming into draft season. Now he's almost untouchable. Don't you think? Guess who took him in that draft? Oh no, not again, Justin. <laughs> I took him in the last round of uh, my friends of fancy benefits uh, main event qualifier on Monday. Okay. Well, last um, round. And that's it. That's why. Like I, I took it's, he, if he ends up getting surgery, he, he's my first cut. And really, if he hits the IL to start the year and there's no like direct timetable for return, he's my first cut. Whatever. He wasn't going to be starting for me on my team uh, to begin the uh, year anyways. Um, that being said, like, don't touch him. Like, don't, don't even do it. This is a guy that we had questions about uh, his durability coming into the season, questions about how many innings he would get. Uh, because he missed so much time with injury, didn't pitch at the end of last season. Uh, I think I love his long-term potential, but in terms of 2020, I mean, unless you're going to take the shot in the last round like I did in that MEQ, then don't even worry about it. Yeah, that makes sense. The last round definitely becomes more of a, a legit option on the table. Let's go to Texas. This one's been uh, kind of a pain in the butt for us drafting. You know, reports came out a few weeks ago that Nick Solak is the starting center fielder. Danny Santana's going to play utility. Everyone that loved Nick Solak got extra excited. Well, now Chris Woodward comes out and says Danny Santana is, in fact, the starting center fielder, and Nick Solak will be the utility guy back to the original plan. You know, you got Santana going about pick 150, kind of a stolen base asset at times, coming off a career season. How do you evaluate these two because now that they're flipping roles again? I'm not super worried about Solak and his playing time. I think he's going to play close to every day. I mean, there's no reason, even though uh, they've said that Santana is going to be in center, uh, be the starting center fielder, that they can't play Solak a bunch at first, a bunch at second, uh, a bunch at third. Uh, there's plenty of opportunities for Solak. I think the thing that is going to be frustrating is the fact that in most formats, Solak is starting the year at UT only. And this is just going to mean it's going to take longer for him to get a position. Uh, but that depresses his price. So I'm totally fine with it. Uh, I'm not super worried about it. I'm actually kind of stoked because I think in, I think it was Raz Slam 
uh, today, I took a shot on Danny Santana super late, either that or my other uh, 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 cut line league uh, draft that I'm doing right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Santana is one of those guys where maybe the heat is going a bit too far on him as well. So, uh, obviously, there's going to be a re- regression coming after last year, but they like him enough where they named him the starting center fielder, and he is not very good defensively. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm not worried about either guy, really. Yeah, the uh, him starting in center field seems like quite an interesting uh, decision when it comes to yeah. defensive metrics. But I guess time will tell on that situation. But I'm starting to warm up to him a little more as well. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much to get my Neanderthal brain to think more. But uh, Toby, of course, who can go deeper than most people on any player known to man, really broke down Santana and explained why he liked him so much. So I had to at least, you know, pay attention to that a little more and see what's there. He's coming at a very good price. Like I said, 150 for a, a little bit of power speed. Not too bad. Nick Solak at pick 274 right now. Big Nick Solak fan, like you said, just stinks that it's going to take longer to get a position being UT only and all. But, hey, them the breaks. Talking about the breaks, hopefully they don't break, but um, Jordan Alvarez's knees, I'm not too thrilled about this. I know people are saying he had knee knee issues last year and so on and so forth, but the dude's 22 years old and he already needs four days of rest in spring training. He's going to pick 35, Justin. Are you concerned about this at all? Uh, I'm a bit concerned because I took him recently, I think, around 45 in a league. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's that's a bit scary. I mean, I think the, the potential is huge for this kid. And we saw it last year. I mean, just 87 games, 27 home runs, 313, 412, 655 triple slash. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I don't love hearing the fact that he needs three to four days when they've only really been playing for three to four days. Uh, so maybe it's one of those things where they're just trying to kind of prevent anything from going on and in, in going into the season. And he is only going to DH this year. I can't imagine they're going to play the field with him uh, really at all, uh, all, all season. So maybe this is just a sign that, hey, if you thought he was going to get outfield eligibility at some point, you were wrong. Um, uh, but that shouldn't prevent you from drafting him. The only thing that should prevent you from drafting him is you can get the same kind of player in Nelson Cruz, you know, 50 picks later. Yep, Nelson Cruz, Chris Davis with like a lighter average, stuff like that. So there's there's options out there for sure. Uh, let's go to Oakland here. This one, like I mentioned the BD thing, and then the news came out after I picked him. Finally got my first piece of AJ Puck a couple of days ago. Now he has a uh, left shoulder strain, no structural damage reported, but they're shutting him down for a bit, and they're pretty much saying he's going to start the year off the active roster in the minor leagues. So it takes a little bit of a hit. At the same time, we knew they were going to monitor him as innings and whatnot, so it might not be as big a deal, assuming the shoulder's okay. You know, Puck's going about pick two ten right now, two thirteen. Are you worried how or how worried every shoulder injury should be bad, but how worried are you by this? I'm a bit worried. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, hadn't really pitched other than what the th- we saw for about 30 innings last year uh, since 2017 because of injuries. Uh, he's also a guy who can struggle with his command. So I'm now downgrading him quite a bit. I think that, the the projections that had him going for like 130 to 150 innings this year are obviously way too lofty, and I'd probably only project him for 90 to 100 at the major league level. 
And because of that, he's likely not going to be on any more of my teams. I think I have one share uh, thus far. It's great to hear there's no structural damage uh, and that he should be fine from a health standpoint. But the fact that he's not starting the year in the majors, uh, the fact that he's probably going to start the year on the IL, uh, I'm just going to play it more conservative and uh, and stay away. Yeah, he's a stay away from me now. I was liking the gamble, especially in 12 teams leagues where you can kind of mix and match and pick guys up off the wire had that flexibility. I didn't mind it as much, but very tough to deal with now. Like, say in a – if you're doing, like, a best ball or a cut line still, would you take a chance on him on a deeper league like that where maybe he comes back to, to give you 100 innings or so? He'd have to be going outside the top 300 picks. Okay. Um, but then, I mean, it's, it might it might be worth it to, to take the shot. I just – it's – he was a guy that I thought they were going to monitor or kind of limit his innings in games anyways. And now they're definitely going to do that. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him come back as a reliever uh, this year. So I'm, yeah, it's going to be unlikely. I end up with him. It could be, I can't remember. It was Alex fast doing his relief pitchers tweets or Matt Davis from the Barf league that was tweeting about it. I thought, I think it's one of the two of them mentioned how the A's have not had back-to-back saves leaders in, like, six or seven years. How great would it be if Puck comes back in, like, you know, late April and he's their closer because Hendricks, something happens, and next thing you know, Puck's just this big lefty reliever that shuts everybody down. Just crazy talk, but you never know. (laughs) Um, Let's go to the Yankees real quick because anytime I can clown on the Yankees, I'm always a fan. But um, Aaron Judge, now it goes from shoulder to pec issue. Um, He's – Still shut down, getting reevaluated by like the twelfth person. He's not going to start the year uh, on opening day. He's going to pick fifty five right now, as low as eighty seven. You have Giancarlo, who is going to pick eighty four, as low as one hundred five. Both of them not starting the year there. So, are you? What's the price tag for those guys? Where you'll take a chance, and then are you going Andahar? Where are you going? Because obviously, it's not Clint Frazier. Because They'd have to have no outfielders for Clint Frazier to play. But, um, like, how are you evaluating this Yankees outfield? I think it will be Clint uh, Frazier uh, to start the year. And uh, he becomes a very interesting streaming guy uh, and kind of see if, I mean, if one of these injuries turns into something much more serious. And with Judge, like, I'm less worried about Stanton right now uh, and his calf strain. We haven't had any, like, updates that things have gotten worse. It's just that he's probably going to start the year on the IL. Uh, I'm okay with that. But with Judge, it just seems like every time we hear about him, it's something, you know, something worse or uh, not getting better or no timetable. And uh, Judge was already off my draft board uh, before the injury because of these kind of things. I mean, people were taking him in the second and third rounds of drafts in spite of the fact that he hadn't played in 150 games uh, in the last two years, he continuously misses time. Uh, so I'm I'm much more likely to draft Stanton, uh, and still Stanton's probably going a bit too high for me right now, around pick 56. That just seems uh, a bit uh, rich. I'd much rather have him outside the top, like, 75. Uh, and he has dropped in some drafts to that point. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from Judge. It just I, I don't think – uh, it's smart to gamble on a guy that's now dealing with, you know, shoulder and pec soreness um, and ha- has consistently missed time over the last two seasons. Yeah, it's not it's not good at all. And Frazier going up about pick 343, 
Brett Gardner, who's like quietly just keeps getting it done somehow. He's at three twenty six. You got Miguel Anahar's going late. He's DHing. There, there's some sneaky because the Yankees' offense is going to hit regardless. We just got we we know this. This is what they're going to do uh, time and time again. Last year they won one hundred and three games, and they had some lineups on certain days. You just wondered what the heck happened, and they still got it. Like Mike Talkman is picked three twenty five. So there's value to be had. I hope it's Clint Frazier. I just make the joke because it seems like they never want to give him a chance. I did see roster resource added him to the to the starting nine finally, which would be great. But uh, it's let's see if that sticks. It does. I'm a, I'm with you. I love the idea of having Frazier, uh, especially at pick three forty three. Why not take a chance there and see what happens? Yeah, I mean, if, if one of these guys end up missing, you know, substantial time, Frazier is a steal where he's gone. Yeah, big time. We know that talent is so darn good, and it's just a. Uh, a matter of time to make that work. So that'd be a, a heck of a get, to say the least. Uh, let's have some fun. Like, you know, you do positional previews. I do positional previews. A lot changes with all these injuries and playing time and all this news that comes out. So, you know, ADPs are always on the move. And some things that are fun to talk about is later round targets, as you know, as we're doing deeper leagues like TGFBI and cut lines. You got to kind of find guys that maybe are talked about, but maybe people still have questions on. So let's try to trying to get some ideas here we're just going to stick to the infield first second short and third today we're going to go three each at uh, each position for later round targets whatever you define as later round i don't care because certain positions it's like pick 150 other positions you can get like 220 just depends on where you want to go with it but uh, let's go who is your first first baseman late round target i'm gonna go with justin smoke i think he's gonna get uh, a fair amount of playing time in Milwaukee, he's currently going 481st over the last few days. In hey, Justin online. wasn't kidding about later round targets. Yeah, like this is <laughs> late, late round. Not all of them will be necessarily this late, uh, but I mean, Smoke has power. He can take a walk. Uh, I think he got extremely unlucky last season in terms of uh, his BABIP and, and his average and. Uh, there's nowhere to go but up. He's moving to a nice park in, in Milwaukee. Uh, I think he is a sneaky, sneaky late guy to grab at first base. Yeah, he's he's an interesting one. Um, what's your my biggest conundrum with Justin Smoke? I know the lefty side of the platoon is always the strong side. They say they want to play Braun there. Uh, they got Abisel in the outfield. I do you have any? I know, like I said, the platoon lefty righty, mm-hmm. but. Are you pretty positive in him? Again, at the draft pick, it doesn't really matter. But are you confident in that draft or in his playing time uh, in that platoon situation? It might be a little spotty to start out. But those things always kind of work themselves out. I mean, they've got a number of guys on that team that have dealt with injury issues uh, that are older. So it's one of those things where, yeah, right now it's kind of hard to – you know, figure out where the path to playing time is. But, I mean, Rosa Resource has him as the uh, the strong side of the platoon in Milwaukee. And, I mean, we're talking about a team that is uh, supposedly leading off with Eric Sogard. Like, there, there are places where people can, <laughs> can make waves and get in there. So, like, I'm not – like, Lorenzo Cain's had issues staying healthy. Yelich has had injury history. Uh, Abisel Garcia, it's there's going to be Braun. There's going to be ways for him to get in the lineup, uh, and I think he's he's one of those guys that can definitely be frustrating if you're playing like uh, you know in weekly leagues, but especially in daily moves leagues where you can move guys in freely. Uh, I mean, 
smoke is, and especially an on-base percentage league. Mm-hmm. I mean, smoke had a 15.8% walk rate last year. I mean, he's a guy that he is like on-base heaven because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what his batting average is. He's going to give you a pretty decent on-base percentage. Yeah, no, great OBP player. Like all, When you always look at his stat cash page, his expected mm-hmm. stats are always so good, and he hits the ball so hard. I'm with you. I, I think he's a great gamble at that at that point in the drafts, but he's he's free, essentially free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my first guy, and I, I just need to talk about him because I've taken him now in two leagues over the last week because I missed the first base rush, and I don't start reaching for others. And that's a pick 256 with Daniel Murphy. It is not the uh, sexiest of pick. It scares me at times. But, uh, you know, being projected hit fifth or sixth in that Rockies lineup, a guy that we know even bad year last year battling injuries, still hit 279, decent OBP. But I think that power can come back. We saw 20 plus homers in 16 and 17. Um, like I said, the power or the average is going to be great. He's going to be able to give you the counting stats if he plays every day. So Daniel Murphy's a guy that nothing really jumps off the table. But the biggest thing for me is the hand injuries, the broken finger or thumb or whatever it was last year. I guess it's the same thing, broken finger. But um, he was beat up last year and still got some of it done. So I, I like Daniel Murphy bounce back. It wasn't too long ago, Justin, we were drafting Daniel Murphy as like one of the top five second basemen off the board. And now he is the 24th first baseman off the board. So Daniel Murphy would be one of my guys. Yeah, uh, I don't mind Murphy. He's not a guy that I'm necessarily targeting. I just – the health issues over the last few years. Uh, and I I wonder if he is a guy that has the supreme ceiling that maybe we remember him as. Like, do we really think he's going to be a 300 hitter? I mean, it is Colorado, but I think it could come with, like, 15 home runs. And, like, how useful is that? Um, probably not very much, but – yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I've, I've everywhere I've grabbed Murphy. There's a couple guys on my list I've grabbed later. So like smoke, smoke would be a good one to grab, and, and a couple more. I'm with you. Like that's why there's there's trepidation with me. It's just like, can you please hit 285 and hit 20 plus home runs? Like, can you do? Can you be just a little better than Brandon Belt? Yeah, I mean, and if that's what you're projecting out, you know, and, and kind of putting into what your overall team is going to do, then that's great. Um, I just typically I want a little bit more pop for my corner infielder uh, or my first baseman, and so you know, I just doubt that Murphy's going to end up on it. I think he's a he's more of a safe floor guy than he is a yeah. ceiling. Yeah, I seem to have that problem. I got I got a lot of safety with my floor, and I forget that uh, you need to win an overall with uh, some ceilings. So that that's always the fun on my teams. Who is your second first baseman? Um, we'll keep, we'll keep, uh, not quite as low as Justin smoke, but pretty, uh, pretty low, uh, average draft position of three eighty four uh, over the last few days on online championships. Uh, and that's Jesus Aguilar. Great pick. Uh, I mean, the thing with him has always been, will he get enough playing time to show that pop? And now he's going to be in Miami where they ain't got nothing competing with him. Uh, the projection systems all have him for, you know, 17 upper teens, you know, low twenties home runs. I think they're kind of undershooting that because they're undershooting the playing time projections. Uh, They brought him in for a reason. He's going to hit fourth in this lineup. That isn't really that awful. It's not good, but it's not awful. uh, Comparatively speaking, we start talking about like the giants and and some other uh, organizations. Uh, So yeah, Aguilar is a guy that uh, if I miss out on first base, I'm going to go, okay, 
calm down. I can still get him later. Aguilar is one I really, really like. I'm glad you uh, you got him. He's one of the guys I'm targeting late. Him, um, Travis Shaw, because he's going to be mm-hmm. first base eligibility eventually. Still only third base right now on NFBC. That slew of those guys are guys I don't mind grabbing late at all. So I like that quite a bit. Another one for me is uh, CJ Crone going to big 244. Year after year, I have no idea why he just gets no respect between major league teams that trade him or fantasy owners. Um, he's like a, a 240 to 250 average. I know that could be a burden to some, but the power is legit. And people think going to Detroit's going to crush him. But if you're pulling the ball the way he pulls the ball, you can still hit home runs in Detroit rather easily. You just don't hit the center field. That's the difference. And Crone is a very, very pull-happy and even opposite field home run guy. Like He does both of that very, very well. His hard hit rates are off the chart. And he was hurt a lot last year and still produced rather well. Um, people remember the second half of his season. He got hurt in July. Second half kind of hurt uh, his overall stats quite a bit before that was on fire. So CJ Crone's a guy that if I miss out on first base, I usually try to target him or someone else that I might mention here in a bit. But then they all disappear, so I stick with Daniel Murphy. Crone's the guy I would want if you have to wait till later. So he'd be my second one. Uh, Crone was going to be my last one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, it's a good thing. Again, it's it's like the same situation with uh, Aguilar. It's one of the reasons why people or why you know why he hasn't produced the kind of numbers that uh, we've hoped for is because he doesn't get full time playing time. Who's he? Go- who's going to play over him in Detroit? There's nobody. Like so, he's going to hit fourth in that lineup. Uh, have Miggy hitting in front of him, Jonathan Scope hitting behind him. Uh, that's uh, that's a nice little spot. I think he uh, is like one of those dark horse for 25 to 30 bombs this year uh, that people just aren't drafting. I saw the Tigers uh, spring training lineup today on Wednesday, and I just got like, you know, you do way too much fantasy baseball when you get giddy over the, the Tigers lineup on a Wednesday in March. Mm-hmm. But um, I saw the starting four of Maven. Goodwin or Goodrum, Crone, and Scope one through four. And the first thing into my head is that's like an all value team. Like the, all of mm-hmm. them are, are free, are really cheap, and they're all going to be fantasy relevant this season. I, at least I feel so. Um, it's it's an interesting group to say the least. So Crone is your three. Um, and I, I love that one. Aguilar was a good one. Oh, I, I, I've, got, I've got another one for oh, you. you, got more? If you want. Oh, yeah. I can do this all day. I know. Um, I should I should have known. Uh, 237 uh, in the last few days in ADP is Michael Chavez. Uh, and Chavez is kind of a forgotten guy in Boston. And, and uh, I mean, he hit 18 home runs in 383 plate appearances last year. Uh, he's going to play every day this year. Uh, and uh, he's got first and second base eligibility, which – you know, outside of the outside of the catcher position, are probably the most shallow positions in fantasy this year, uh, and the ability to move a guy from corner infield to middle infield uh, is invaluable in fantasy. I, I don't think we talk about really being able to either have second and third base eligibility or first and uh, second base eligibility to be able to move, you know, really to four, you know, four positions um, on your roster is is really really valuable. Love Chavez. Uh, and I think he's a guy that's going a bit too late. Yeah, his power is legit. He's going way too late for his upside. And you made the good point. Being able to play a powerful corner infield option at second base just changes your roster so much. So mm-hmm. big thing there. My last guy in this one is like we talked about Crone and Aguilar secure playing time. If Christian Walker hits, he'll have secure playing time. 
You still have Kevin Cron. You have uh, Seth Beer in the minors. I just don't know how you're going to get rid of a, a guy like Walker, who had a 13% barrel rate last year after 15% the year before. Hard hit rate of almost 49% last year. Dropping 29 homers, hitting 259, and his X stats all said he underachieved. There's a lot to like with Christian Walker, just an absolute beast at the plate. And it's just a matter of does he get off to a good enough start to keep going? He's the 19th first baseman off the board, about at pick 216 in the middle of that D backs lineup. There's a lot to like about him. For some reason, I have trouble pulling the trigger all the time because of the concern of losing his job. I just find he's going to have to struggle a lot for me to see him losing that job. And in the middle of that D-backs lineup, I think Christian Walker is a nice power source uh, after pick 200. Yeah, I don't mind that. I'm I'm not as high on Walker as a lot of other people. I'd much rather have the guy going right in front of him or the guy going right behind him in drafts, and that's Luke Voigt and Jock Peterson. Uh, So I just don't end up with shares of Christian Walker. Are you concerned at all? You mentioned Jock Jams. Are you concerned at all about his oblique? Mm, I mean, a tiny bit because that's always one of those injuries that can like end up being longer <laughs> if he does need to hit the IL because they can just uh, they can just nag and they're easy to to re injure. But I just love the ability to move him between first and outfield, uh, and so I've, I've gotten a number of shares uh, thus far. Are you more concerned about his oblique or consistent playing time without a platoon? I'm not. I'm not super concerned about that. I mean, okay. we're we're talking about a guy who got still got to 500 uh, plate appearances last year, hit 36 home runs, uh, and nobody's given him the credit for it. I mean, would I have loved to see him end up with the Angels? Sure. And would I love even more to see Ross Stripling end up with the Angels? Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, uh, no. I mean, latest news on Peterson though is that he's expected to. Uh, uh, you know, playing his first game here pretty soon. So I'm not super worried about him either way. Sounds good. Let's go to second base. And uh, we've already kind of mentioned a couple of guys here, but who would be your first late round second base target? Oh, man. This, see, this is a more difficult position because I think this really dries up and uh, there aren't necessarily a ton of guys going, uh, you know, super late. There are a few, though, and one of them shed long. Uh, Shed Long is, you know, former top Reds prospect that has got power, speed, and that's about it. Uh, but he's got power and speed. And it appears that Seattle in full rebuild uh, mode uh, are going to give him the everyday reps at second base over D Gordon. And not only that, lead him off. Uh, so like I, he is going extremely late. Uh, he's going 525 over the last few days in online championships. Uh, that's ridiculous. It means he's not being drafted in the majority of formats. Uh, you, you got to get yourself some shed long if you're struggling towards the end of drafts. And I believe in some leagues he's even got multi uh, eligibility. So yeah, shed long is going to be on a number of my teams this year. I really like the shed long call. Pick 355 over the last four or five days. Only drafted in one league. Um, there's a ton of likes, like you said, especially if he leads off. Hard to uh, not enjoy that opportunity. Uh, my first one at pick 298, kind of already mentioned him. If he's anybody in cleanup for the Detroit Tigers, Jonathan Scope is pretty darn nice to me, especially for a power source at second base or middle infield that late. Usually, I think you'll probably agree, most of our middle infielders will be shortstops just because it's such a deep, awesome position. But to get a guy like uh, Jonathan Scope, who has 21 or more homers in four straight seasons, 
He's not a huge, uh, you know, outside of last year's 233. He's at 256, 293, 267 the last four years. It's not a drastic um, batting average drain on you. Like ATC's got him for 260, 24, 65, 71. That's outstanding at at, uh, pick 255. And just a guy that continues to have a very good overall hit profile with his barrels, his hard hit rates. Last year was a great year for him in that respect. So a guy like Jonathan Scope, who, again, you know, in in Minnesota, playing time, platoons, all these little things are always an an issue. In Detroit, the 28-year-old's going to have no one stopping him. The only thing stopping him is a potential trade later in the year. Other than that, he's going to get a lot of playing time and a lot of power to showcase uh, in Detroit. So he'd be my first one. Yeah, I don't understand why people are uh, just passing on scope. Maybe it's because people want speed from their middle infield uh, or because shortstop is so deep and they're they're just going from that pile to, to fill the MI slot. But scope is is super underrated. Uh, kind of, I kind of love his prices here. No doubt about it. Who is your number two? Oh, more options than I actually thought would be there. There's some uh, decent ones down here. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Mauricio or yeah, Mauricio Dubon, uh, Giants. If you look at the Giants uh, page on roster resource, you're gonna see a lot of red for platoons. One of the spots you're not is Dubon at second base. They're gonna give him full run. I think people uh, have forgotten this. This was a you know former top prospect. Uh, because he's got speed upside and power upside. Obviously, the power upside is kind of uh, hurt a bit by the fact that he's playing uh, in San Francisco. But I think he is a good bet for a guy who could be, you know, double-double in both home runs and stolen bases. And runs and RBIs aren't going to be there uh, because he's on the Giants, uh, unfortunately. Uh, But while he's projected right now to bat uh, seventh, I could easily see him uh, see him getting bumped up, like even into like the number two hole, uh, or I mean, at worst, you know, up to like you know six. So uh, he's a guy that it's obviously a deeper league play, um, but he's a guy that I think is being slept on a bit. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. Multi position eligibility, uh, the hit tool is very very good. It's just consistency at the big league level, which we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, don't hate that at all. Uh, my second guy, and this is if you just completely whiffed on second base, like there's a few guys going ahead of him that I'm a big fan of. But I want to throw a deeper one out to you, and he's going to pick 301. And that's Cesar Hernandez, the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. A guy I've always been a fan of, especially when he let off for the Phillies. Uh, right now, I'm projected to hit like sixth for the Indians, but it depends on the day you look at roster resources. I've seen him as at leadoff or batting second at times, too, when the rumors of Lindor going to the middle of the order and whatnot took place. If that happens and he goes to leadoff, he's a steal here. But the one thing I wanted to mention is you you hit on it where some people look for steals at this position. He had nine steals last year, but then prior to that, 19, 15, 17, 19. The guy can run. We know Cleveland will let guys run with Lindor and Ramirez being successful on the base paths. Uh, he's got, you know, you know 12 to 15 home run upside, pretty solid batting average. And a lot of it's just going to depend on where he hits in the order. But I don't think playing time is going to be an issue. He should be the everyday second baseman for the Indians unless they start calling guys up or, or whatnot. But should get a lot of playing time. You know, he's got potential to go 15-15 if all things click correctly. If not, 10-15, 10-20, something like that. At pick 300, if you totally missed on second base, it's not going to crush you. So he's a guy I don't mind targeting later in the draft. Yeah, no, that, that's a that's a great call out. It, uh, I think he is popular with some really sharp people, but he's still going later in drafts than he probably should. All right, who's your third second baseman? 
Oh, uh, you know, you know what people hate in fantasy old players. Uh, and that usually offers some sort of buying opportunity. Uh, and I don't know what we're going to get from Robinson Cano, but right mm-hmm. now he is, uh, set to lead or sorry, he's set to hit fourth in what is a pretty decent Mets lineup. Uh, and I mean, currently Cano, let's see, uh, lost him on my ADP page. They're at 392 over the course of the last few days on in online championships. Uh, that is a steal. Um, if he can be anything close to what he has been, uh, in years past, uh, he's, he's a guy that could hit 20 plus home runs. Uh, you know, if he's batting fourth all year in that, in that Mets lineup, I mean, he's, he's got the potential to have 90 to hundred RBI. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, obviously it, this could be the end and he's just nothing, but if that's the case, you drop him and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like take the shot on Robinson Cano late if you need a second baseman. I love that that call. I've been a, a big Cano fan. I don't understand why. Well, because ageism. Yeah, that, that's that's what it is. That's that's all it can be. Because his spot in the order, even when he came back last year, he hit just fine. It's the only explanation is ageism. So yeah, um, yeah jump all over that value uh, late round. Just put him on your bench and see what happens. He could come back in a big big way. My third guy, and he's going a few picks ahead of Cesar Hernandez. Very similar profile, and that's Nico Goodrum. But the reason I love Nico Goodrum. Second base, shortstop, outfield. He's got yeah. got you all over the diamond. And, you know, power-wise, he only hit 12 homers last year, but he's got more power than that. When you look at his overall hit profile, he just kind of, you know, got center fielded to death. And he still could. That could be a big issue as he has not left Detroit. But uh, he does like to get a little too much, you know, 35%, 36% the last two years to center field. Maybe try pulling the ball just a little more there, Nico, and you'll be uh, doing just fine. So I like him. He can get you 10-plus steals as well uh, at that point in the draft and double-double in that respect. So Nico Goodrum is one of many. There's there's a handful of guys down here I don't mind at all. Yeah. Yeah, there's even more guys. Like, it just uh, – it's – every position is fairly deep. I think second base is probably the most shallow or at least has the biggest drop-offs. Uh, but every, every position this year uh, outside of catcher is extremely deep. No doubt about it. Let's go to probably – I think we can agree the deepest position out there. Uh-huh. Uh, let's go to shortstop where this could get really fun. Um, there's a lot of ways to go here. So who would be your first late round target? Uh, it's the guy that I have. So in NFBC, there's a, there's a, a page that you can go to, uh, which will tell you the percentage of shares you have on guys. So it'll list how many <laughs> guys you have uh, in all of your NFBC drafts. Uh, and the guy that right now that I have in a hundred percent of drafts uh, that I've completed so far is Jorge Mateo. Oh, that was my first guy too. Nice yeah, <laughs> I've been, I've been. He, he he is on every single team I've drafted thus far. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's going pick five sixteen. Uh, if there's a guy that is going to come out of nowhere to deliver, you know, first or second round value, it's Mateo. He's got. 80 grade speed plus uh he has a better hit tool than billy hamilton ever did uh and he has been leading off for for oakland in spring training uh, already at least three for three on stolen bases i don't know if he stole anything today or has even played today yet uh but mateo is a guy that he should be one of your last picks in every draft i don't care if you've already drafted six shortstops uh one he's gonna play second base 
uh, and so he should gain that eligibility uh, pretty quick in season. He's out of options, which means if for some reason he doesn't make the team, which at this point seems like a foregone conclusion, uh, he'll be on another roster somewhere, and that might be the best thing for him to end up in a place like Baltimore or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, Mateo is going to be on as many teams as I draft. Great call, Mateo. I think it's it's a, you just need to do yourself a favor and pick him. Very simple, mm-hmm. people. Like Justin said, doesn't matter how many shortstops or second basements you have, pick him at the end of your draft. He's going to be very, very valuable. I actually – I remember last year in some leagues, I think it might have been Barf for one and a few others. I picked him up late in the season assuming he was going to get the call that it seemed like he should have mm-hmm. gotten, and he never got it. Like, I was just waiting for him to come up, and he never did. The guy just rakes. So, no hating on that one at all. Um, I'm going to take the easy way out here because this is a guy that I love. I know you're not going to talk about him. At least I don't think you're going to. And that's Dansby Swanson. This mm-hmm. guy has just been – disrespected on the draft like do you control the draft board justin i do screen. no i do <laughs> <laughs> he's going around pick 282 right now he's going as low as 335 which just baffles me that he goes that low but what he's done uh over the last few years especially last year before he got hurt 10 percent barrel rate 42 percent hard hit rate just tearing the cover off the ball on our, our shortstop preview I read, I read a comparison, his X stats and barrel percentages and all that good stuff compared to Gleyber Torres. He was equal to or better than him. The, the talent is legit. He just needs to get towards the top of the order. If he can do that, he's going to be just really, really good. But at worst, you got a power speed guy. Hopefully, it's for a good average. Lots to like with Danzy Swanson. I won't beat this one into the, into the, the, the ground because everyone's talked about him. But Swanson will be one of mine. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think where he's going is fine. Uh, and he offers you know some upside on the pick, but here's the thing: like everybody's like, oh, just if he can get into the top of that lineup, where is he gonna do that? Like the Marcelo Zuna signing crushed his his potential sure. because he was supposed to hit second in this lineup, uh, and they were just gonna move like uh, you know either Acuna down uh, to like three, uh, and you know Albie's up to one, or move Freddie Freeman down. Uh, I mean, I guess with the Freddie Freeman injury issues, there's a chance that he can move up if Freeman's not playing, but that just makes the overall team worse, which, you know, hurts him. Uh, I just don't see him hitting higher than seventh in this lineup for the most part. And that that's going to hurt a bit. Uh, but like I said, like it's, it's not that it's a bad value because we're talking about a guy who is going what outside the top 250 picks. So yeah, sure. Whatever. I just don't think, I think people still remember the prospect pedigree and, and how upset everybody was when Arizona traded him. Uh, but He's a guy that's had trouble staying on the field, uh, and I don't see him hitting high up in the lineup. Arizona trading future stars. Go figure. Um, who is your next sec- uh, shortstop? Uh, let's see. Scott, uh, so, I mean, shortstop is so deep. Uh, let's go super, super deep, and that, that's Orlando Arcia. Uh, he's going to play every day in Milwaukee because – uh, he is so good defensively, and uh, he has been super hot in spring training. And you, know, you don't never want to buy in on spring training stats, but he did hit 15 home runs, steal eight bases last year. He's got speed. Uh, he's a guy who's supposed to have a better hit tool uh, coming up. I could see it. Uh, I mean, last year he had a 253 BABIP. Nobody should have 253 BABIP. <laughs> so, like, I think he's a guy who could sneakily go. 15-15 with like a 250 batting average. Um, and in 
in Miller Park and in that lineup, like if he starts moving somewhat up the lineup, he could be really, really sneaky value. And like I said, he's currently going like pick six ten. Like there, there is everybody is going above him except for Brandon Crawford. That's crazy. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, solid, solid value there. Playing every day, most likely that could be tremendous. So, uh, really, really good price tag on that. My next guy going around pick three eleven right now is Willie Adamas of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, big it. fan, big fan of his. Twenty home runs last year. Uh, really bursting on the scenes. And one thing I like is the co- consistent development in the hit tool. Barrel went from six point six to eight point four. Uh, the exit velo went up. The hard hit rate went from twenty nine and a half to thirty five and a half. The actual bacon's almost four hundred. Um, plate discipline can be better. Only an eight percent walk rate, but the strikeout rate dropped three percent. All the little things you want to see from a young player. He's 24 years old, showing consistent improvement at the plate. And with Tampa Bay and all their platoons, he's one of the few guys that has a job every day on that roster. There's really no threat of a platoon with him um, in that division, facing some of those bad lefties, especially in Baltimore. He could have a field day. The Rays, I think, are going to win the East, maybe make a run in the playoffs. So there's a lot to like with Willie Adamas. I think this time next year, Justin – He's not going to be the 28th shortstop off the board. He's probably like 15th or so. I think he's very, very good. Like he's going to be one of the next big guys to talk about. So Adamus would be one of my guys, uh, late round targets. Yeah, he was definitely on my list of guys to talk about. So I'm definitely glad you did. Uh, my next one, oh, I could go in so many different directions uh, with this. Because, yeah, shortstop is super deep. Uh, I'm going to go with John Birdie. Uh, and it's because he's multi-positional eligibility or eligible, and because he doesn't have a concrete home, his price never went off the map. But I mean, he pretty much did like the same thing that Garrett Hampson did at the end of last year, uh, just stealing a ton of bases in Miami. He's going to be triple eligible at third base, shortstop, and outfield. So not only one of those guys who can go from your MI slot to your corner slot, he can also go to your you know, any outfield slot. Um, and going to pick 252 about uh, over the last few days. Like, there's just no helium on it. Uh, and I love these guys on my reserve list in leagues because he pretty much covers your entire team in terms of if you have an injury. So uh, I think there's, you know, he's not going to be a guy that I think really, unless there's an injury, like I don't think he's necessarily going to get everyday playing time, but I think he'll be a super utility guy uh, and be very much – uh, Jared uh, Dyson-esque, whereas one of those guys where people didn't ever want to pay for him on draft day, but then you looked at your numbers at the end of the year and you went, oh, wow, you know, or Rajay Davis. Like, you're like, wow, like I really got a lot of profit potential from the, or a profit from this guy at the end of the day. Yeah, no, he's got a lot. He's going to help you in a lot of uh, counting stats, especially stolen bases, mm-hmm. all that multi-position eligibility is huge as well. So, yeah, don't mind him at all. One of my last ones, and he's going to pick 185, so a little higher, I think, than most. He's not like a late, late round, but it's one guy I think you're going to really enjoy is Gene Segura. Uh, a bounce back here from Gene Segura could be in the makings. He's only shortstop eligible now. He's going to be playing second base, maybe third base as well. So you're going to get that multi-position eligibility out of him. He's got double-digit home runs in four straight years, double-digit steals all the way back to 2013, all the way back to 2000 every year. Let's put it that way. Every season. Double-digit stolen bases. Uh, he'd still hit 280 last year, even though the rest of the power wasn't really there, which is kind of odd with the bouncy ball in play. But I think another year in Philadelphia in that lineup should 
helped Gene out quite a bit. And uh, most importantly, the thing I like the most is him going to second base because I think you're going to get back to 15-plus home runs, 15-plus stolen bases, and a good average scoring some runs for the Phillies. I think I think there's a – and he's one of those guys with a good floor but also could have a really good ceiling that could uh, surprise some people. So he's a guy I don't mind going back to as I think he bounces back after kind of a subpar 2019 season. Yeah, he's a guy that by June could be triple eligible, yeah. uh, which is uh, totally cool with me. So, yeah, I, I like that call out. All right, let's go to third base. Justin, who is one of your third base targets? Uh, third base is one of those that dries up, but uh, you mentioned uh, – you know, I'll, I'll let you have Travis Shaw and talk about him <laughs> <laughs> um, because he's, uh, he's going to be uh, an interesting guy uh, for sure this year. Uh, I, I haven't been on the Geo Urshela bandwagon, uh, but 237 feels a bit too low for a guy who, especially with all the injuries in New York, is going to play every day. Now, I think there's obviously room for regression considering what he did last year, but uh, I think he's going to get everyday playing time because his defense is so much better than Andar's uh, at, at third base. And I think he could easily repeat uh, what he did from the power department last year. And even if the average comes down, because, I mean, the 349 BABIP was definitely insane, uh, I still think he can hit like 270 uh, in this lineup and have a boatload of runs in RBIs because the lineup's going to be good no matter who's playing. So uh, Urshel, I think, is my top guy. Yeah, I'm starting to kind of be more keen on him of late as well. So I think he could be an interesting late-round target as this keeps going on. I'll start with Travis Shaw, as you mentioned. I think there's a lot to like about him. He admitted his swing. He changed his swing last year. That didn't work. He was So now he's back to his old swing where he had 31 and 32 home runs back-to-back years with the Brewers. He's going to be a hitter-friendly Toronto, hitting cleanup or fifth in that lineup with Vladdy and Bichette and Biggio and all those talented uh, baby Blue Jays over there. The, the, the run production will be jumping off the page for him if he wants. And another thing last year that really got him is K-rate jumped at 33% after 18.3 and 22.8 the previous two years. That is a massive hike. That'll that'll really get you. He had a bad dip of only 216. You know, 2018 wasn't it was a 242, but prior to that, he's around 300 or higher. So just little tweaks for Travis Shaw could make a horrific 2019 come back to what we're used to in, in you know 2017, 2018. The projections have him hitting over 20 home runs. Still only hitting like 230, though, so I, I think he's got even a higher floor, uh, ceiling than that. But those are only playing 107 games. ATC has got 121 games. I think he's going to play a lot. I know there's some platoon conversations out there, but I don't see why Travis Shaw. It's kind of like the Justin Smoke idea. He should play at least three-quarters of the games because the the positive side of the platoon. And if he's swinging it well in, in 30 games, he's got 25 to 30 home run potential and driving in a ton of runs for um, Toronto and he's going free, as we mentioned, in drafts right now at pick like 330. So Travis Shabby won for me. Yeah, I don't understand why Shaw's not getting the love. I mean, this is a team that showed that last year that uh, they really don't care what you hit. They're, they're going to keep running you out there. I mean, they ran Justin Smoke out there when, when he was hitting 209 all year. So uh, I think they're going to give Shaw a full run. Definitely. Uh, who's your second guy? Uh, I'm shocked he has not been mentioned yet, but uh, that's Tommy Listella. Uh, Listella yes, Tommy. is he's projected to lead off yeah, for the Angels. Uh, that means he's going to be hitting in front of Mike Trout, in front of Anthony Rendon, in front of uh, Shohei Otani. 
Uh, he is second and third base eligible. Uh, that's why I was surprised he hadn't been talked about. Uh, going uh, like 260-something, 287 right now. Again, like I said, I love these guys that are eligible at you know second and third or second and first uh, because they cover so many positions in your infield. And yeah, it's he was amazing before that uh, that awful injury that uh, ended his season early. He had uh, in eighty games, so just half a season, sixteen home runs in two ninety five, three forty six, four eighty six, and we know Madden loves him. So uh, I don't think there's any question about it that he's going to be playing uh, quite a bit uh, and and could easily uh, like way overshoot the projections on him. So I, I like uh, I like uh, Listell a lot. Yeah, a guy leading off in a very revamped offense. You have Trout, you have Shohei Otani, Shogunzo Otani just dropping bombs, it looks like now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have Anthony Rendon, who's already on fire in the spring. There's too much not to like for Tommy Listell there. I think that's a a great call on your part. My second guy, and he's not sexy at all, it's Kyle Seeger. I think there's still some in the tank for this guy. 23 homers last year at 239. People thought it was a really bad year, but he saw his barrel rate go back up to his 16 and 17 norms because 2018 was a really down year for him. But he rebounded in that department. Like almost all of the stat cast metrics uh, match his previous years, including an almost 40% hard hit rate, strikeout rate dropped back down below 20%, and his walk rate jumped up to almost 10%. Almost it's his best since 2016. And more importantly, it was a very slow start to the season where he's a little banged up. His second half was really, really good. 68 games in the second half. He only played 38 in the first half. But he had 260 with 17 of those 23 home runs in the second half of the season. He's not going to steal you many bags, but he can be a very nice run producer on a, I'm not going to say really bad Mariners team, but I think a, an average Mariners team. So there's really no one to take his job. I think Kyle Seeger, where he's going in drafts right now, at pick, he's going after Travis Shaw. He's one of the last third basemen off the board. I think is, is a good option late, late for you. Yeah, I uh, he's one of those kind of boring vets, but he's also fairly consistent. And uh, I think, you know, he had the down year, uh, what, uh, not last year, but the, the year before. Of course, I just looked up his brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been a bummer for many people, too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the down year in 2018, but, uh, it, you know, he, he started to really rebound uh, second half of last year. And he's just one of those guys, nothing, you know, that jumps off the page where you go, oh, I've got to have this guy on my team, but like pretty safe production. I think he's going to hit like 25 home runs, you know, do it like a 250 batting average and, uh, and you'll be, you know, okay, especially considering where he went. No doubt about it. Who is your third late round third baseman? God, I feel gross for even saying this one, but it's Todd Frazier. <laughs> it's, it's fair, though. It's fair because he's going to play. He's playing every day. Like, yeah. in, uh, and the, the ADP has him at 559, so he's going undrafted in the majority of formats. Uh, now, uh, there's obviously a bit of risk, one, because he's, you know, 30, what, four years old now, uh, and he has had years where he just, you know, was pretty much unusable. But he's got pop. He's got a little bit of speed still uh, in those legs. Uh, he's you know projected to uh, play every day. You know in a good lineup in Texas. Uh, obviously, you know if if he really really struggles, that could be the spot where Solak or Santana ends up, um, which would destroy his value. But you're not paying anything to get him, so you can always just you know cut and move on. Yeah, no, I don't mind it at all. He's free. 
He's got, you know, still 20-plus home run potential. Like, I, I don't hate that at all. I think there's a lot to like there. He, he signed there for a reason because they're going to let him play. So, mm-hmm. until he screws up, go get him. My third guy is a guy that I, I just don't know how he's going to pick 235. And it's just – it blows my mind. He's outfield third base eligible, and that's Brian Anderson. This guy is, is too good for what he can give you. Uh, 20 home runs last year, 261 average, even stole you five bags. Um, everything you want to see is good with, with uh, the stat cast data and just his overall production, you know, 11 home runs in 18, 20 and 19, that just keeps improving. Uh, all the projection sites have him over 20 home runs hitting two to 265 plus. He's going to help you in four categories. If, and, and like I said, throwing in five steals is huge. Being able to put him in the outfield or the infield. And we've just seen his power develop year after year. And that's the part that intrigues me because going into last year, I thought he'd be like a 15 home run guy hitting 20, and I know the bouncy ball, I get it. But bringing the fences in will help a little bit in Miami. 26 years old, still probably developing that power swing. I think Brian Anderson's a fun one to take a chance on. Yeah, I think he's interesting because he's got the multi-position eligibility. I don't think he's that interesting of a profile, personally. Uh, The bringing of the fences definitely helps, but uh, he's just kind of a boring guy uh but again like the the multi-position eligibility be able to move from infield to outfield uh is definitely helpful especially especially in deeper formats i think he's like a safe floor with without the sexy ceiling uh which definitely you need those glue guys on your roster i think sometimes when we get late in drafts we start going okay i'm gonna shoot for upside well you can't do that with every pick because then you have no stats coming you've got to get some glue guys that are going to hold your roster together and that, that's that's one of the big things with him. You know, multi-position eligible, glue guy. Uh, he's not going to lose playing time in Miami. Going to be hit in the middle of the order. A lot of things that point in the direction of uh, being pretty solid. Like, I'd rather have him than Daniel Murphy as my boring floor guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it's just one of those things. He gives you that consistent production that you can go take your gambles elsewhere and, um, and go from there. Like, we've mentioned a lot of multi-position guys. I know when I'm late in my draft, I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying to get multi-position guys, but I think that helps make my decision at times. Do you try to make a point to have that kind of flexibility on your roster? I definitely try. It doesn't always yeah. work out. Uh, I mean, I'm getting lots of shares of Max Muncy this year, uh, and a few shares of DJ Lemieux and, and McNeil just early on to give myself the flexibility if, you know, you know, a huge position run or I get left out on a position goes, oh, well, I can just slide Max Muncy over to first or I can slide McNeil into the outfield or over to third base or, uh, you know, LeMayhew to second or whatever. Uh, I've been making a point to try to get one of those guys in just about every draft. Doesn't, like I said, doesn't always happen. Uh, but then, you know, you've got the guys going super late that have the those you know extra eligibilities the John Birdies of the world like even though like David Fletcher is super boring uh like he he covers four different positions like that they, there aren't very many guys who can cover that for you so i love getting those multi positional eligible guys especially late uh that can you know fill fill uh a bunch of different holes for you on your roster if you have injury issues no doubt about it, and that, uh, that'll that be a fun – I think you just gave me a new podcast idea, a new episode idea, just multi-position, guys. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about them. I think that's a, that's a good way to go about it. I know I saw Yancey Eaton, you know, Yancey Eaton daily podcast plug uh, <laughs> posting stuff on that today, so had to get that out there. Uh, let's get a few listener questions, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Uh, Marshall Witzberger at Witz727. 
He asked you, Justin, where would you draft Shohei Otani in a 10-team Roto League with daily moves? Uh, see, the daily moves thing yes. is, is a huge aspect of it because if we knew that Otani was pitching from day one uh, and obviously granted health, like you can make the argument that he should be going in the top 20 picks uh, in a daily moves league. Uh, that being said, he's not going to pitch in. It depends on – did he say which platform he's playing on? No, I just you said 10-team Roto. Okay, so depending on what platform you're playing on, uh, I mean, obviously he's not playing Yahoo because Yahoo separates him uh, into pitcher and hitter. Um, but uh, some platforms are starting off with uh, pitcher eligibility. Some platforms are not. So if he's starting with pitcher eligibility, he doesn't have to earn it in season. Uh, I think you take him inside of the top. 80 picks in a 10-teamer with daily moves. Uh, I've been taking him in NFBC leagues just outside of the top 100, uh, and those are, are pretty much weekly leagues, especially with a guy like Otani. Um, even if he was just a hitter, like we'd be talking about him as like a top three-round pick if he, if, we, if, he, if he was just a banded pitcher. I mean, this is a guy that like is projected for almost 30 home runs, double-digit steals, and a good average. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think people are sleeping a bit on Otani because they don't want to deal with the headache. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. When I usually end up passing on, I'm like, if the value's right, I'll go. I just don't want to deal with that uh, that headache. But if it's a daily moves league, you jump all over that and you, mm-hmm. you, you ride it and, until it falls off type thing. So no problem with that at all. Uh, Ariel Cohen, Cohen, ATCNY, from the good old TGFBI podcast and so much more the ATC con- uh, projections. He asked you, Justin, and I, I apologize to Ariel because I was going to dig into all this information when my draft was done, but maybe you'll have some takeaways here. What are some big takeaways or trends that you've spotted in TGFBI this year? Uh, I think it is the same thing we see in these overall competitions, whether they be NFBC or, or TGFBI specific, uh, is that people are going to take shots and go for their guys. That's uh, the truth. And uh, I think that's a mistake oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, sometimes we think that you have to get a crap ton of upside in order for uh, you to win an overall competition. But both Clay and Todd's teams that that won TGFBI did not necessarily have that. They definitely had guys who overperformed. or or, Yeah, but, I mean, they got steady contributors. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing because – when you go for guys who are high risk, high reward, uh, the the chance that they're they're going to hit is, is very very small, or, or much smaller than your average kind of boring vet type pick. Um, and the chance you're going to get a bunch of those guys to hit is really really small. You have to have a dream season, and that just doesn't happen. So uh, I think we forget that sometimes having the safer floor. Uh, with a little bit of upside is better than the guy who doesn't have a safe floor with a ton of upside. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that's one thing I have noticed in my league. And we notice that most of these pitchers go early. That's just a common trend. But ADP went out the window in my league like real quick. It was mm-hmm. gone. And yeah. I was like, and, and and we've talked about it on many shows. You've talked about it on your shows. Like you don't draft off of ADP, but it's a good reference point on like, Okay, I'm like 40, 40 picks from his ADP. Do I take him in the next round, or where do I play the game type thing? And <laughs> it was it, it doesn't even matter, right? Like, it was crazy. So that would be the biggest trend I could see. Um, Yancey Eaton asks, at Yancey Eaton, hey, Bubba, long-time listener, 
I'm curious what feedback Justin has gotten from contestants the past few years and what changes he's considering making to make TGFBI even better in 2021. Also, what are your feelings on the TGFBI side pot? Um, I mean, I get I get a lot of suggestions every year. Uh, I don't tend to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. Uh, only because uh, I want to keep things consistent uh, year to year and not and not change things over. The only thing I really changed uh, this year is I didn't do a Champions League, and it was mostly because so many people complained. Um, and not that that typically stops me from doing something, uh, but I just didn't want to hear the complaints again this year. I, I thought it would be like, hey, this is an honor thing. Like you get you get to like go up against the best and. You know, Kenyatta Storin, like, winning the Champions League uh, last year, I thought was a really awesome accomplishment. Uh, But there were a lot of people that didn't feel that way. And people who who won leagues last year who, you know, messaged me privately, like, please don't put me in a Champions League. You know, I don't want to deal with the complaints. So, Uh, but other than that, like, I get a ton of suggestions. I'm largely not going to do them. Uh, the only thing that I'm really looking at changing uh, for uh, for well, two things I'm looking at changing for next year is one uh, with Smata coming out with his historical standings. Mm-hmm. If he updates them quick enough next year before I set up leagues, I may use that as kind of a baseline of where I put people in leagues That'd be uh, to kind of you know because again you hear the complaints. Oh, this league mm-hmm. is so much harder than that league, and they're like. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, there are some guys who have shown in in this league, in other industry leagues, uh, or in you know big money leagues or whatever that they're really good players. But we have two years of data. That means yeah. nothing. It just it just it's it's too small sample size. Um, not to take away from guys who uh, and women uh, who've done uh, really really well in the first two years. That's awesome, and I think most of them are probably great players. But to say that's the end all be all is, uh, I, I think, a, a little foolish. Um, and like taking an April victory lap, uh, which I love to do, by the way. So I'm, I'm not I'm not, <laughs> not crapping on that. Uh, but that being said, as we start getting more and more data on that. I definitely will probably use that to even out the leagues uh, a, a bit more if I can. Uh, the other thing is um, I, I'd love to keep getting more satellite uh, leagues going. So what we do is, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, how do I get into TGFBI? But they're not producing content within the industry, which is the number one requirement. The only other way you can get in is by winning a satellite. And we use that as a way of raising money for charity. Uh, we're raising money this year for the Ruthie Lou Foundation, which is an organization uh, that helps uh, bereaved parents who've just lost uh, babies. Uh, and it's an organization that helped me and my wife out when when we lost uh, uh, two children uh, over the last five years. Uh, and so it means a lot to me. So half of the money raised uh, through the satellite leagues and then just donate straight donations from people in TGFBI. Uh, we'll go to that, and the other half will be winner's choice, uh, what charity it goes to. So um, if we can keep expanding the satellite leagues, like I would have as many people in satellite leagues as I have in TGFBI. Uh, that way that that way, the next year there's almost one satellite person in every league. Uh, and so uh, you can sign up for both TGFBI and the satellite leagues over at TGFBI.com already. Yep, I signed up the second I saw it, so there's no excuses there. And I, I think we talked about it last time. Weren't you debating making like half roto, half head to head, or something like that? 
I definitely have thought about that in the past because I know there are people in the industry that either don't play Roto or they specialize in head-to-head. And I thought about making like a separate contest, but man, it's already a lot of work managing all of this. I don't blame you. Um, Especially in, uh, you know, December and January and then in February when the drafts are going on. Uh, and then obviously, you know, once early March hits, the drafts are really rolling and I, I NFBC takes care of everything. But there had been a thought of, well, maybe I'll make a secondary contest. And maybe that's something I think about later on, uh, whether it be a, a head to head version or a DFS version or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, not something necessarily that I think will happen in 2021. Um, and as far as the side pot goes. Uh, you know what? I think anything that people want to do to, to, you know, talk about TGFBI more or make it more interesting or more fun for them, that's great. Uh, I didn't organize that. That was Greg Blankenship and Vlad Sedler, two guys who uh, I love in the industry uh, and are really, really sharp players. Uh, and I, I'll be participating in it. But, um, you know, uh, that was their idea. I think it's uh, I think it's fun. Uh, but you know, not everybody can afford to play in leagues like that. I think, you know, the, the one, one of the things that people often get um, unnecessarily crapped on for is not playing in big money leagues. And like, that's not fair to people who have different life circumstances. And that's why TGFBI will always be free um, to enter. And, you know, and unfortunately that means there's no prize pool, but uh, that's why the side pot's great. If you want to play for money, you have the option of now playing for, you know, a little bit of cash. Uh, but if you can't afford to, that's not going to prevent you from getting into the league. No, I love it. That's why uh, what you basically just said there a lot better than I did was my hope that started a shit storm on Twitter. It was about, <laughs> it was, it was nothing personal to anybody or anything on the NFC, but I saw so many people tweeting about, you're not a good player if you don't play in certain tournaments. I'm like, that is complete BS. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you just get, get over your, your little high horse for the two seconds. That was say, all that was. You didn't say anything wrong. Uh, and I understand why people, you know, like, yeah. fired back at you. But that's one of those where uh, you got to learn to just not care what other people think when they fire back. Like, oh, you yeah. should just stand by that because, like, there are some great players who don't play NFBC or don't play big money leagues. And who are we to judge what their financial circumstances are exactly. like that? Or they may just play in a state that doesn't allow Can't them allow. to play. Yeah. Uh, and so like, like the idea that like, like that it precludes someone from being a good player or being a good analyst is, is ridiculous to me. Now, I mean, I play in a lot of NFBC, uh, but I just started doing that. Like I just, like this is my third year in NFBC. So uh, I think uh, people, uh, you know, don't worry about, like, honestly, I'm here, I, you know, and, and, and I'll get crap for this. Don't worry about how analysts do in, in leagues. Mm-hmm. Like it, sometimes the best coaches in the world are guys who never played the game, you know, and when, when we're talking about real life sports. So uh, like, just because someone doesn't do well in an industry league doesn't mean they're not a good analyst. It just, you know, means maybe they haven't had good luck or they're not a good fantasy player. There's a, there's a difference between being able to offer good analysis and being good at fantasy. Um, Obviously we'd love to see the guys that we get our analysis from, you know, do well, but I don't think that's the end all be all. 
It's like people that are super, super smart just are bad test takers. It's just the mm-hmm. way it works. It happens all the time. It doesn't mean they're not, they're not smart people. Yeah. So uh, l- lots of ways to look at it, and I agree with you there. Uh, at Draft Cheat, you know, never a sarcastic bone in his body, ever. Never heard um, of him. No, no. Yeah, Dr. Christensen, no idea who he is. Um, he says, what will it feel like for Justin to get last place in his own beat Justin Mason League? <laughs> um, you know, I, that, that's very funny. Um, it, uh, it, it, I mean, if you've seen the lineup in it, it's a pretty uh, pretty stout league. So it's yeah, not you're like... You're getting tag teamed by like four different teams. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, we've got, uh, let's see, uh, Walter McMichael and... Uh, Michael Alexander are sharing a team. Uh, Vlad Sedler and Matt Modica are sharing a team. Uh, the, the aforementioned draft team, uh, draft sheet and uh, Matt Davis. John Fish is in that league. Ray Coon's in that league. Colin Weatherwax is in that league. Uh, oh, that's an easy one for you then. Good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I was just jokingly crapping on Colin all over today's uh, uh, sleeper in the bus. So um, Brian Knapp's in that league. Like, it's a rough, rough league. And people are like, why would you do this to yourself? Because I, I poked a lot of these people. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. hey, come on, <laughs> you know, join. Um, and people are like, why would you do that in your own beat Justin Mason thing? It's because uh, in, in beat, those beat, you know, insert uh, fantasy analyst leagues and names, you're getting a bunch of people who follow your work very, very closely, which means you're not getting a lot of your sleeper targets. Yep. Uh, and I learned that last year. And so, I'll actually get a few more just by having, you know, these really, really great players in there. Plus, it's fun. Uh, Again, I mean, at the end of the day, fantasy is supposed to be fun. I want to make money for sure, and I'm going to try my hardest to make money in this league. But at the end of the day, like, I want to have fun. Like, that's what it's about. And uh, sometimes it's even better to say I beat the best than I cashed. You know, I, I, I really do love the bragging rights in fantasy. And you said a couple things that I love is I try to say it all the time, too, is this should be fun. If it's not fun for you, don't play. Like it should yeah. really be fun. So find the format you like. Find whatever you like and make it fun. That's very simple. Mm-hmm. And then there's something else that you've mentioned before, and something that stood out when I saw this league, which I love about it. And that's why when like the whole Champions League thing kind of makes me laugh is I want to play the best. I yeah. want a challenging league. Like I don't want. And by no means is there ever a pushover league in what we do because everyone's pretty darn smart. But I want the best of the best to show up and play and, and see what I got. That, that, that's fun to me. Yeah, I mean, what's lost on my main event last year, because everybody loves to uh, just talk about the fact that I just got decimated with injuries, uh, you know, and so obviously some to my own, you know, <laughs> because of my own uh, <laughs> drafting. Um, <laughs> but uh, what was lost was I had four main event Hall of Famers in that draft. Yeah. and It's, I had it's a, quite the challenge. I had a blast. Like, it was – like, I love facing that challenge. And the fact that I didn't do well – you know, that sucks. It, 17, you know, I lit $1,700 on fire uh, last year in, in that league. But the fact, like, in my first main event league uh, ever, I got to uh, square up against four of the best people to ever play that game um, in that event uh, was was awesome. Like, that was so cool for me. Uh, and, like, you know, some you know some people said, like, oh, I don't know why you did this to yourself. I'm, I'm super excited. Like, I'm super excited to play this. We're going to live stream that. Uh, you can catch it on Twitter uh, and, and YouTube. I don't know how many of them will be willing to jump into the live stream during the draft with me, but uh, I'm sure a few of them will here and there. So uh, definitely uh, check that out on Twitter and YouTube. That'll be fun to watch. A lot of good guys in there. A couple more questions real quick. At Baseball Pods, who's doing yeoman's work for the podcast mm-hmm. world, 
Uh, he's doing awesome stuff. He has two questions for you, two-parter. Did Justin intentionally draft a terrible team to make his less famous FWFB friends feel better? I don't know what Lee's <laughs> talking about, but I found that funny. Um, I'm guessing he's talking about the um, uh, we did Your a main event, uh, yeah, main event know. qualifier last week, and we live streamed that one. Uh, it is a team for sure. Uh, it's one of those teams where I look at it at the end and I go, "What the heck happened here?" Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I think it's a terrible team. No, I don't think it's a terrible team. It definitely has batting average issues. Uh, but it's a standalone league, so like I can punt batting average uh, and, and be okay, and or punt a category and be okay. It has a ton of upside and a ton of downside, but it's also a league where first place gets a main event entry next year. Second place gets nothing. Like so, uh, whether I finish second or fifteenth, it doesn't matter unless I win the thing. So uh, there's definitely going to be some volatility and probably a, a fair amount of in season management, uh, but. It was a really fun, uh, really fun draft, and you can still go check that out over on YouTube, um, or uh, I don't, I don't know where. Else. I'm sure it's on Twitter somewhere, but you have to go through hundreds of tweets before you tweeted since then uh, to, to find it. Uh, it was just a ton of fun. It, you know, the, the amazing about Friends of Fantasy Benefits is, uh, while uh, you know, none of us knew each other before the start of it. Like a lot of us have become really good friends and we treat each other like really good friends, which means we talk a lot of trash to each other. Uh, <laughs> and that is evident within the uh, uh, within the draft itself. If you go back and watch the live stream, uh, it's just, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. And uh, again, like you said, like, why are we doing it if it's not fun? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm. I'm I'm in 18 leagues this year. I'm not going to win every <laughs> single one of them. I'm not going to put together a great team in every single one of them. So if this is the one that isn't good, oh, well, you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. His second question for you is, is it Pepper or Popper? Oh, uh, Dave Popping. <laughs> Pope. Is, Pope is, is Popping still alive or has, has he been swallowed up by the pile? Oddly enough, I have not heard from him since. uh, that that's something if you want to understand that reference you have to go and watch uh the live stream and i think dave comes on about halfway through and then is just a running joke throughout it gotcha i was was like what is he talking about but there we go um and then the last question i had to save the best for last mrs tgfbi herself at mrs d salinger says and this is a question that was funny because i was gonna ask you anyway so it works out better coming from your wife What's next on your fantasy sports industry bucket list? Because I know you're going to, you know, you got some more time on your hands here. You're going to be a busy man. What's next on the bucket list? Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's anything necessarily left on the bucket list that seems super attainable at the moment. I mean, obviously, I'd love to be working full time in this industry, uh, but that uh, probably isn't likely living where I live. Uh, unless, uh, I mean, if someone wants to make me an offer for enough money for me not to take this new job, I start in three weeks, uh, before I start it, uh, feel free to make me an offer. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, like, I, I just don't know. I, I think a lot of people who are full-time in the industry are, you know, don't have kids or are single, um, live in areas that don't require, uh, um, you know, huge, uh, mortgages, uh, the way my area does. Uh, and so like, I just don't know that that necessarily, uh, is in the cards for me, at least in, in the near future. 
Um, you know, for me, I just want to keep grinding and I, I want to, I want to do well. I want to offer uh, great advice for people. I want, I want to win leagues. And I want to help people win leagues. I mean, that's ultimately what it's about. Man, after Super Tuesday, he's got the most political answer in the book. That was amazing. <laughs> My goodness. No, that, I totally get you. That makes total sense. Because you're already in town. Or I guess labor. You know, I got, you know, you yeah, I'm in labor. You did this a team year. with this four. Yeah. You're, doing, you're doing it all. So you've already kind of hit most of the, those checklists. I, I have, like, surpassed everything I thought I would ever do in the industry. And so, like, I'm extremely grateful for – uh, the opportunities I've been given over these last five years. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure some of them are self-made, you know, TGFBI and, and things like that, but I wouldn't be anywhere without a number of people in the industry uh, that really, you know, took me under their wings or really helped promote my career. Like, you know, Paul Sporer, uh, Howard Bender, the, the late Laura Michaels, all three of those guys really stepped up for me when they had no reason to. Yeah. Um, and I'm super appreciative of them. Uh, and you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what's, uh, next around the corner. Um, but you know, right now I'm, I'm just super grateful to, uh, be a part of the industry, uh, and, uh, people enjoy my content. No doubt about it. And speaking of that content, as we wrap things up, why don't you plug away that, uh, big, big book you wrote again? Yeah, you, you can get the friends of fantasy benefits draft guide. Um, on Amazon.com in, in the uh, uh, the paperback, or you can go uh, email me Justin Mason Fantasy at gmail.com, uh, and I can tell you how you can pay for it via PayPal uh, or Venmo, uh, and that's for the PDF. That one's seven dollars, uh, and yeah, it's just it's an amazing collection of a ton of strategy guides, ton of player previews, uh, you know, projections from uh, Ariel Cohen. Uh, who who does ATC and was the number one ranker on Fantasy Pros last year. Uh, it's also got uh, his uh, dollar values for those projections uh, for pretty much every auction uh, a league you will do this year. So uh, if you have drafts coming around the corner uh, and you need it right now, order the PDF. If if you can wait a you know four or five days uh, and get it, uh, you can go get the uh, the the book. Uh, but it's it's a uh, it's a great piece of work. My guys over friends fancy benefits um, really put their heart and soul into it. So uh, yeah, definitely hit me up. And uh, with all that being said, you can find Justin on the Twitter at Justin Mason at WFB friends with fantasy benefits dot com and their wonderful podcast list. The sleeper in the bust. He is the creator of the Barf League of TGFBI and a man that I owe many thanks for. So not just for everything else, but thanks for joining me today, Justin. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. I always love coming on. No problem at all, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 255. Go get the Friends of the Fantasy Draft, our Friends of Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide, and we'll catch you guys later. Yeah.